Welcome to this episode of the Better Billing Today podcast. I'm your host, Adam Welchel from Spark Billing Services. On this show, we're talking to owners and operators of small clinics and practices, helping them improve the patient financial experience, optimize their business, and improve their cash flow. I had the pleasure of meeting Christian Sonon at a conference in Miami last week. After meeting him, I was excited to have him on the show and have him share his story with our audience. Christian and his wife launched their own practice a few years ago, and he's gonna share with you how they overcame their challenges, expanded their business, and they're helping more patients and more team members than ever before. Here's our interview with Christian Sinon. So Christian, um, if you don't mind, I, w- I really wanna hear about your origin story. Um, you know, you probably didn't wake up when you were a kid and say, I'm gonna be a physical therapist. So uh, I'd love to hear just about your story. It sounds like you own this practice or you run this practice with your wife. Um, could you share us, share with us, you know, how you got here? For sure. So, um, for myself, I kind of grew up around my, you know, my sister, she's on the spectrum and everything. So watching a lot of her behaviors, um, always was kind of interested on how to, you know, learn more about it, but I took the opposite route. I went into like the medical field. So I have, you know, my backgrounds in pre-med and biology, and then I stumbled upon um behavioral analysis through one of a close friends of mine she was what we call an rbt working direct one-on-one and she's like yo you'd be the perfect fit and i'm like uh working with kids i don't really know you know i was kind of comfortable in the corporate job that i had but um i jumped straight into it i ended up quitting my job and working for a very um low rate (laughs) but it was fulfilling and so how did you get to the point where you own your own practice and you've built it? Like, tell us about how that, that transition went out. Yeah. So, um, crazy, crazy enough. We got married in 2020, um, COVID happened. So we ended up buying a house, um, canceling our first wedding. And at the same time, both of us losing our job. So my wife's an occupational therapist and I do the behavioral side. So it was perfect time to just sit and put our brains together and, you know, have control over our own destiny in a sense. Wow. So in the middle of COVID, you started your own practice. Yeah. Okay. And then now it's not just you two, but how big is your practice now? So we're about 35 employees big. Wow. And is that half occupational, half behavioral? What's the ratio there? So it's majority behavioral. So Tiffany is the only occupational therapist on staff right now. Okay. So what is, you know, what were some of those obstacles that you faced as a, as a technician, you know, how to help, you know, your, your patients or do you work mostly with kids? Yeah. Mostly with children. So you're able to help these children and you have to put on the business owner hat. Like what were some of those first you know, hurdles that you saw yourself having to, to overcome? Time management. I think that was the biggest one. When you're working with someone, you are for someone, you kind of understand you're on their clock. And once you kind of like have your own clock, your own routine, your family life, outside of family, personal, you know, hobbies and stuff that you want to do, you kind of like think you can do it all, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So getting that, that schedule down pack and being able to really stick to it and be disciplined and consistent. Were there any, uh, were there any nights or like, you know, days where you're trying to figure out, should I go work for somebody else? Should I continue doing what I'm doing? Can we make it? What, what was that? Were there any transitional, um, 
I guess, mental things you had to come overcome. For sure. For sure. I feel like that's, that's constant, <laughs> you know, as a business owner, you're constantly thinking like, did I make the right choice? Can I do this long, longer than this? You know? Um, but for me, I could tell you specific time, kind of like when my first child was born, my son, um, it was just overwhelming to be a parent, number one, <laughs> and then running a business that you just open a new location and you're looking to expand. So I was just like, you know, it's so much easier just to work for someone. <laughs> For sure. And, and like, how, where do you go to dig in? Like, is it, do you have mentors? What systems are you using to raise your belief level that like, I have to do this? Well, I think it's instilled in me innate. Like it's like in my blood, I'd like to compete. I love to challenge myself. I don't believe in keeping life stagnant. Um, so that's just something I do. Like I'm 35, but now I just started CrossFit which I shouldn't really be doing, but <laughs> I just like the, the rush. And then, you know, the 10X has been great too. Being able to be introduced to that kind of sparks an interest even more. Yeah. And for our listeners who may not know, you and I met at a 10X workshop in Miami with Brandon Dawson and Grant Cardone and Natalie and, um, and those, those people down there that, you know, teach mental toughness, raising your belief lid, raising your operational effectiveness, uh, and then building and investing into your people. Um, you know, you said you had 34 or 30 or so team members. Um, what is that like going from one to two people to 30? What were the, some of those, you know, hurdles that you had to overcome? Well, the first one or two, we really had to focus on loyalty. Right. We had to make sure that the personalities meshed well with us because we were so small and we worked so closely. Um, whereas now I've learned that separation a little bit with your team and having like management around that has the same vision and belief really pushes it even further. Wow. So do you personally manage 34 or 30 people by yourself every day? No, no, I don't. I oversee the supervisors. <laughs> right. I'd be burnt out. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you were building this organizational structure, um, what were what were some mistakes that you made? Did you have a too wide of a team? Did you have too deep of a team? Or were you pretty effective in building the right cluster types as you grew? It took time. It really took some brainstorming. My background's not in business, right? I, I always loved business, but um, for me it was more so understanding what our vision was and making sure we, we matched what that looked like. So in the beginning, I'm not gonna lie, I've hired so many people, made so many mistakes and trusted people that I shouldn't have entrusted, you know, and, and now I feel like we finally are on a good path and a good rhythm of understanding what we're about. What, give me one mistake that you maybe stand out, but you know, obviously protect the innocent, but were there any mistakes you can <laughs> share on the show? Yeah. Um, Giving people chances when it doesn't match your ethical and your um, vision of your company. So, for example, um, I had a staff member who really didn't align with what we were doing for our therapy for our children and the family. Um, I gave that person multiple opportunities, but I should have cut it short a long you know, time before that. What was it that what was it that made you want to keep that person around longer than you realized you know you should have? What kept you from just pulling that plug? The fear of replacement, right? Because we believe that there's a shortage of staff, so we always hang on to people. It's so <laughs> true. 
That's that's so true. Where the time you've invested, it's like the opportunity cost or the sunk cost. Like I've put yeah. time and money into finding you and you're doing an 80%, 70% okay job. Um, but it's that yeah. last little bit that's going to ruin our brand and it's going to make it impossible to recover. Was there something specific that you thought like that was the real the real deal killer. Was there anything specific in that situation that said, you know what, I've got to do this now. Um, and it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah, it was last minute cancellations on clients. That was huge for me. We have families that depend on the quality of service that we provide. Um, also interaction with caregivers. Um, when you're working with children, parents are so vital and that who's taking care of them. You have to treat them in a certain way to make sure that they understand that you're there for their child, you know? So when you, when this kind of behavior persists, let's say you didn't fire this person, when this type of behavior persists, what kind of message gets sent to your team members? It's acceptable. Yeah. Right. And it causes um, facade that we're soft or weak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or, or we're desperate. Right. You know, it's like all the messages you don't want to send to your staff. Right. There's this balance between I don't want to be ridiculously un unreasonable and have this, you know, super fine line where everybody's afraid. But then there's this other side of it where, uh, you know, you have to act because if you don't act soon enough, people will not respect you and they won't feel like, you know, there's an exchange here, right? So you're an employer and part of the value you give to your team members is good team members. Yeah. And yeah. it's a, it, like you said, it's, it's like, if you hold on too long, they will see you as not taking care of them. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And coming from the background of playing sports, right? That's really the concept is your coach would never mm -hmm. keep a, a player mm -hmm. that isn't performing at the level that they need them to perform to win a championship. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I wonder, you know, the hesitancy that some of the, the clients that we've talked to when they when they hesitate pulling the plug on somebody, you know, it's, it's that fear of replacement, the fear of time and money and energy to get the next person in, in, in the right seat. And then you think, you know, what's my client going to think if I had to fire somebody, you know, um, it's all these considerations, but the truth is those decisions, the, the hardest ones are usually the best ones for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. so what was, you know, what's another, you know, milestone you've had to, to make the tough decisions for your staff. Um, did you ever, mm. did you ever have to like really rethink the way you were running it as a leader? hundred percent. That's what made me interested in 10 X. Um, I felt like I was doing an okay job, but I understood that in order for the business to thrive, me as a leader, I have to be sharper, I have to be more confident. Um, one thing I've always struggled with, with was confidence part. Uh, playing sports, I always was the humble, quiet guy. I could play, but the confidence lacked. So now I'm just like, I'm a beast. <laughs> wow. What was this? What Besides going to conferences and seminars and like feeding, you know, with others that are trying to grow their confidence, are there any, are there any mechanisms you're using? Are you, what's your, what would you advise somebody else who's got to improve their confidence that they're the right leader for their own company? I feel like making sure you understand your business front to back, understand the financial aspect of it, understand 
the roadmap, right? And be okay with changes as your plan develops, because unfortunately we're in a world right now where every industry changes in the blink of an eye because thing that's just life, you know, insurances, especially sometimes they won't pay out. Sometimes they'll cut your contract. So you have to make sure that you have um, some other route to get to your destination. Yeah. And I know specifically in your industry, they've capped some of these hourly rates that you can pay your behavior therapists. And so now you're, yeah. now you're limited on the kind of incentives you can give your people and yeah. um, the insurance companies, as we call them, the, they're very evil. <laughs> that's an op that's an open label on this show. So we 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 assign credit where it's due. <laughs> For sure. What are some what are some ways that you as as a as a creative business owner with a dream to grow your practice and and you know, create opportunities for your employees. Like what are some ways you can offset your limitations? Like we know the insurance companies aren't going to pay what we want them to pay. We know that private pay uh, customers don't always have, you know, the means to make, you know, exactly the rate that you want. So what are some ways that you can enhance your practice and make your place a desirable place to be? Multiple lines of service. I think that's really what it is, where our, our vision is to make it a one-stop shop where you can get ABA, OT, speech, your case management and education all under one roof. Um, a lot of parents, right, they have limited time, so they don't have time to drive back and forth to different specialists. So if they can just drop their kid off for the day, you know, gotcha. get everything at one place. Wow. So maybe your RBTs who are not seeing a patient at that time, they have opportunities to, you know, move laterally in the company, even on a hour-by-hour hour basis? Yeah, so ABA is a little bit different. ABA, we, we have about 30 to 35 hours per week mm -hmm. for each client. So whereas like, you know, OT and speech, it's like an hour or so every two to three days. Right. Um, my vision is kind of include everything. And then those that want to take the educational or even social work route, they can become case managers. Wow. It's managing something like they're off time. Wow. So you're really creating wider opportunities for your staff members who, if they were to go to any other um, practice and, and they're just an RBT, um, maybe that's all they can do. And if they don't have a case or if they don't have a client, then they have to go home, right? And you're saying that there's opportunities for them to bring more value to their clients or other clients and bring more value to the team and to the company. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Is there a model that you're building that's few you feel is original? Are you taking a model from, uh, you know, somebody that's done this before and, and you're reaching up to that mentor? It's not so much a mentor. I previously worked somewhere and I saw the model. Um, the owner doubted my vision of including certain things and for specific demographics. So I kind of have a battery in my back to make sure it works. <laughs> Man, you've got a chip. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so you have you have a purpose, you know, beyond just you know being creative. You had a vision, and it was not uh, acknowledged or it was invalidated. And now you have you know a drive to make it work. Um, have you seen? This is a personal question, but you know, there's that's what this show is all about. Yeah, no have you seen some of your drive backfire? Oh, yeah, definitely early on. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I was um, very impulsive. Mm -hmm. I made impulsive buys, right? Like I spent the wrong way at times. Also, you know, the way I interacted sometimes with staff and clients, I was short or I wanted to just get rid of people. 
Um, and sometimes you have to learn that working through issues and seeing if there is some type of common ground is better than just buying right on the spot. Yeah. Or getting rid of clients on the spot. Right. <laughs> right. Man, you know, building a practice from from one to you know, 20 or 30 people is is no small feat. And I'm really impressed with, you know, some of the things I've heard about your 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 journey and your practice. Um, I want you to talk to our listener who is maybe maybe they've got two or three people on their team. Um, what's who needs to be in their corner as they're growing? Is it, you know, is it a technical financial person? You know, is it the supportive spouse or partner? Like if you could speak to that person who's trying to grow, who do they need to surround themselves yeah. with? For me, it was my spouse. She believed in me and pushed me a hundred percent and we were on the grounds running together. Um, if you can find someone who sees it the way you see it, and sometimes not exactly how you see it, but understands what the goal is, I think that's the healthiest way to make it happen. Were there any tactical positions that once you got into the business operations that freed you up to have this more creative, you know, leadership direction that you've taken? Yeah, um, there's a few things that I did. I started looking for assistance with business strategies, right? Um, you know, it's a business in the end, although I'm passionate about it and what we provide, but I have to really understand how to strategically manage funds. I think that's something that a lot of times as business owners, right, we have a big dream, we have a big vision, we want to do it all, but you have to make sure your money's right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. How did you, uh, what would you say from a, a marketing, how did you get so much interest? Was it word of mouth? Did you do a lot of paid advertising? What was your fuel that helped you expand? Um, so since we were in the field for a little bit, we had a good reputation, both my wife and I. So... It started off people kind of like seeking us or where we went because we were kind of like off the map, COVID happened. Um, and then from there, little by little, I did, you know, some Google ads didn't really work. I did Facebook, Instagram, you know, all that stuff. Um, but adding in target case management and really partnering within the community is really like my, my go-to. I'm really glad you said partnerships because I feel like in this business of either healthcare or helping healthcare, which is what we do. You know, I don't know that a lot of our buying decisions in this area come from a Facebook ad. And it, it does seem to be those relationships that open the doors. Um, so did you find yourself building more partnerships and more relationships as you were able to take off some of those administrative duties? And then you got yourself into the community? Was that where things started really opening up for you? Yeah, when I first started, for sure, we were smaller. So I had more time to really send out emails and say, hey, you know, you have an event that I can come by. I just want to see what you guys are up to. Do you need me help in this field? I was more available. Mm -hmm. um, now I actually hired someone specifically to do our outreach where his job is to really organize events and communicate with other partners and make things happen on the ground level. Man, so you're not, not, not only do you... Uh, you know, you've taken some of the administrative burden off, but actually the thing that brings you new business, you turn this into a system that brings you those referrals and those clients. Yeah. And then our target case management um, that we do for helps as well, because we're the direct source. <laughs> wow. Going back to one more topic, uh, you know, we on this show, we're talking about the belief level, the systems, and then building your team. We haven't really talked about building the team as much. Um, 
what have you done or what are you wanting to do um, that you feel like is an investment into your people that makes their lives better, their jobs better, not just makes it easier for them to earn money, but what what are you doing to sort of enhance them as a person? Two things specifically. Um, one, I, I spend time thinking about them. Mm. I think that's the most important thing. Wow. I really spend time trying to figure out how I can position them to get to what they want. Um, and, you know, I have a couple of people on staff that want to get into licensed um, mental health, which is something I could potentially open and they can stay within our company. Um, another thing is we do like we're doing a, a mini fitness challenge. So that health component is so key when you're working with children, you know, you're burnt out. It's a lot. So being able to have that discipline to go to the gym every day or stretch do anything that's helping you take a break away from that environment that you're putting so much energy towards really gives back to them. Yeah, that's really important. Making, you know, sending the message that I'm not just hiring you to get something, right? I'm hiring you to give as a as another platform for giving. Exactly. Yeah. And so are there any, uh, did you have any, I've had 18 or so active employees, but I've been through about 30 in the last three years. <laughs> um, right. I'm sure not every uh, experience with employees goes perfect. Um, what were some mistakes that you made with like, we talked about you, you sustained somebody too long, but was there a moment where you realized you weren't investing enough and did that ever make itself obvious? Yes. Um, there's a gentleman that I felt like I didn't give the right opportunity to. Wow. Um, uh, I wasn't open enough. I kind of was standoffish. And I don't know why, right? Everyone, every once in a while, you meet that one person, you're kind of like, you know, <laughs> you're just wondering why you can't really build that rapport. Mm. Um, and I felt bad because he was really a good worker. Um, he did very well and performed at a high level, but I never, I wasn't available in that season to invest in him. Mm. If that makes no, sense. it does make you know. sense. It does. Um, well, Christian, this was a really great treat for me to have you on the show and, and hear about your behavioral therapy business, your wife's occupational therapy business. Um, I love the content that you've shared with me and the audience about, you know, expanding, but not just, you know, the business, but you, you're out in the community, you've, you've delegated the outreach and you're continuing to grow and create more opportunities for your staff and your, and yourself. Um, Anything else you'd like to share with our audience about, you know, just as somebody who who strives to grow their practice? Sure. Yeah, I think stick with it. There's going to be a lot of lumps. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. But whatever vision that you have, see it through as best as you can. That's my advice. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's great. And like like what you've done, you've plugged into communities that are challenging your mindset. You know, being part of the 10x community is not about uh, you know, improving your, you know, your software or improving your, your procedures. It's like, you've got to change the way you think you've got to change the, the way you see yourself and, and break through those limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I'm excited. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to see it because we're now we have a relationship and we're going to be seeing each other at these conferences. And so now I get to follow up with you and have you on the show again. And, you know, next time I see you, you're going to have 10 more people on your staff. <laughs> and maybe some mental health so hopefully more sleep yeah hopefully more sleep more help well christian thank you so much again for being on the show